This episode of Surface Level addresses the internal reflections that we have had as the events of the Middle East have been thrust into the global zeitgeist. We do not purport to be experts on Middle Eastern relations, but humans witnessing a crisis in real time. Surface Level is not a space for hate, but one to spark meaningful conversation and foster community curious about how we see the humanity of all people. And with that, hey everybody, welcome to Surface Level curious conversations about the Black and Queer experience. I'm one of your hosts, Damon, and today, Jordan, Tony, and I are discussing the ongoing conflict in the Middle East. In the same way that we as Americans, our government does things that we don't agree with. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of Jewish people that would say that about the Israeli government. I would also purport that there are a lot of people living in Gaza, Palestinian people, who do not agree with the um, actions and the way in which Hamas is acting towards Jewish people. Do either of you think it's a responsibility because we have a platform? Does that mean we have to talk about issues like this? No, I think that for our specific platform, it is important to me. Many people in our community have experienced varying levels of severity of discrimination, violence, hate crimes. And my personal opinion is that experiencing that should make you a more compassionate person. This is never again for anyone. Um, so today I would say a, a special reflection on events happening since October uh, with the attack in Israel. Um, we're about mid-November in the space and the time in which we're discussing and we thought that this was important for us to address during the season. So yeah. um, we're taking, I would say, a very thoughtful approach um, treating the topic with the level of seriousness that we feel that it really deserves. Um, and with that, for the first time, we won't be playing a game today, but we're gonna kind of jump right into the conversation. Um, and I'd say the first part of this is, a lot of people may be wondering why. Curious conversations about the black and queer experience. Why did surface level feel that this was something that we wanted to address? Um, Jordan, do you wanna start? Yeah, I, I think it's helpful to understand that when the three of us were watching the events unfold since October 7th, you know, we were having our own private conversation around, you know, should we have this conversation? Are we the right people to speak on this? But I think what it all came down to is that we were, we were actually doing the work to educate ourselves on the topic. And I think that me personally doing a lot of research and learning um, a lot about the history of the past, you know, 100 years or so, um, I just had more questions. And I felt like I found a lot of comfort um, in having open dialogue with my friends um, who are, you know, of all different races and cultures. And I think that this is an opportunity to perhaps um, allow the listeners to be able to process along with us. Yeah, I think that also um, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed with the volume of really um, hateful rhetoric that's happening yeah. around this conflict. And, I, and I'm hopeful that this conversation can offer uh, the audience uh, a perspective that's a bit more considerate and compassionate of all the people involved. Yeah. Tony? Yeah. Um, when thinking about sort of political issues and uh, this topic specifically, and as Jordan's saying, the volume around 
the chatter that's going on on the internet, it's a lot. Yeah. And I started to think about why do people stay quiet during these times? Yeah. And so there are many reasons, um, but just to give a little bit of factoid um, that I found online, was, it says that 59% of Americans stay quiet to avoid conflict in the past 12 months. And Americans who stay quiet are, are highest among suburban parents at 67%, um, folks with college degree at 66%, and millennials at 64%, which I thought was interesting compared to like a Gen Z or the boomers. Uh, and it said even though most Americans are staying quiet in political conversations, 22% misrepresent their beliefs uh, to avoid conflict. So mm, that's interesting. I yeah. think that you know people, which is true, and we know this to be true, and just in all facets of, facets of life, people want to avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so people don't know the the right or wrong thing to say, and it's kind of like when you step your foot in in the mud you're gonna get dirty and it's it's kind of like there's a no-win situation you feel like you say something and someone's going to find attack you yeah. find something wrong with it but i really think about like um when we started the show yeah and being authentic around how we started this show uh and it was really us sitting on the couch at demand talking about life talking about things that are going on and we've talked about many things it's not just queer stuff it's we happen to be black and queer and so that's the lens through which we look at the world but we can talk about anything and i think that when we don't talk about history and we don't learn about history things have a propensity to repeat themselves yeah 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 and i think that leads to sometimes the worst parts of history happening again. We mm -hmm. see it time and time again. We're, it's like we've, we've been here before. Yeah. And the last thing is, what I, which I, I think you'll hear me say many times during this conversation, is it came down to humanity. Mm -hmm. We're humans having a human experience. And I think we can have some compassion. We can have empathy, sympathy. We can experience this together and if we're talking about it amongst ourselves mm -hmm. then like jordan said we should we should bring this conversation and to our listeners in a thoughtful compassionate um way well tony you you mentioned something that stuck out to me sorry Damon. No, but um you you mentioned that you referenced how we started the show mm -hmm. and that sparked my memory of season one episode one being centered around Black Lives Matter and how that was such a global um, narrative that was happening. And obviously we're, we're black and so we're in the community when we talk about it, but yeah. that was something that I felt like for one of the few times uh, it transcended uh, countries and, and, and races. And I feel like everybody was talking about Black Lives Matter. And so, yeah, I just remembered that and I'm like, that's a, that's like a full circle moment, mm -hmm. I think, in a way. Yeah. Um, we've done the show for a good amount of time now, and I think that the thing that we try and keep at the center of it is the authenticity of conversations that happen in our friendship. It's the reason that we typically don't do 
shows about people promoting a product or shows where someone just throws money at us and says like do this thing it, it's it's really about what's happening in our real lives what are we living and what is the dynamic and lens through which we discuss that uh and as we were planning this season this all kind of happened at the same time and we were having a meeting and my part of the conversation was that it doesn't feel authentic to go through this season and not acknowledge what's going on in the world mm-hmm. um and further i think that we're not we're not the show that's, or the even the people who are going to post a million stories and all these things, or and um, that be our form of activism. Yeah. Um, th- this is the 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 platform we've decided to create. This is how we'd like to have the conversations, and we feel like there's a level of respect and control that we can have in this space. Uh, and further, and it's to the point you were just mentioning. As a black person, I remember during the Black Lives Matter movement, I was just like, part of the thing is not the community that it affects talking about it it's yeah. the uh, the other individuals that like i don't have to be a jewish person i don't have to be a palestinian person um to confront and talk about topics in the world that affect anti-semitism that affect um islamophobia like it's about people outside of said communities being a part of it speaking up for what is right or just trying to decipher mm-hmm. like i don't even want to use right and wrong i think that's that's oversimplifying um the, the, the lived experiences of people, but just, I think it's important that when you're not of said background that you still develop a point of, you still learn that history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's valuable and it's something we would encourage, we've encouraged each other to do a lot more of. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something I think we would all encourage our listeners to do more of. Well, do, you, do either of you think it's a responsibility because we have a platform, people are listening to our show, like does that mean we have to talk about issues like this in this way I think like because I know that that's a conversation in the zeitgeist too it's like you have a platform you need to use your voice like people get upset with celebrities and and whatnot um although you know that it's it can sometimes lead to you saying something and then you being quote-unquote canceled because it was the wrong thing or you didn't realize that you said something that offended a whole group of people we see it all the time yeah so I think it's um, no, I think that for our specific platform, it is important to me because I think and I'll just speak for myself. I think that our platform has to lead into the space of authenticity. It is the thing that like thoughtful and authentic Two specific words I would associate with what we do. Um, and we know we've talked about this. We know that we're trying to parse through understanding it. We know that we're taking the feelings about what this means when we're in our community in Harlem, when we're in corporate communities where we overlap with individuals from both of these communities, friends we have in both of these communities. We know what it means like when we're having conversations with our family. And we pull, mm-hmm. I think, from all those experiences to create the universe that is surface level. Mm-hmm. And to ignore something for us, I th- I, I would have felt quite uneasy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if my platform is just me posting memes all day, maybe that's not where I'm looking <laughs> for someone to speak. And like, I'm not gonna be the person like, stop posting your meme. I'm just like that. This everybody doesn't. Uh, for me, I think that it requires a level of thoughtfulness and not just shouting into the universe. And I think that we somehow misrepresent shouting into the universe as activism and as being helpful. Yeah. When sometimes people just need to be quiet, listen, learn, and read. Yeah, I wonder if, because sometimes, like, we've we've held ourselves to a certain standard, so I think people who really enjoy listening to this show 
also hold us to a certain standard um, as it relates to many different facets of how we go about putting together episodes with thoughtfulness, with care. And so I'm like, do do we shoot ourselves in the foot um, by like, is it a standard that one can't live up to all the time? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that um, this is our platform. And I think the reality is that you know, we are a weekly show that comes out with content all throughout the year. Mm. And I think for us, you know, we do need to be thoughtful with how we curate our conversations. You know, we know our process when we're preparing for episodes. It's not us just showing up to the studio and speaking our mind. It takes research. We want to make sure that we're being considerate. We want to make sure that we are, you know, at least trying to identify what our blind spots might be on a topic yeah. to be able to talk about it. There are going to be way more people who are far more educated on this topic than us who may be able to provide a much better context as to what the conflict is yeah. and, um, and, you know, and how we got to this point today. And so, yeah, I, I don't think that it's our responsibility to report everything. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't put that type of a pressure um, on on our platform. But to Demond's point, you know, it was an organic conversation that we were having between the three of us. And I think that we all decided to, you know, make a point to actually have the conversation. And I think that that's, that's what matters the most. Okay. So um, I wanna talk a bit about the, uh, the, the conflict. So, as we know, America has been a longstanding ally of Israel. And, you know, with this most recent inflection point at the within the conflict, we're seeing a lot more pro-Palestinian presence here in our country. I'm just curious from your own observation, why do you think that we're seeing this shift among Americans? Mm -hmm. uh, Damon, let's start with you. <laughs> I have many thoughts. One, I would say social media is a very big piece of it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like let's 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 strip out all the like misinformation and all the craziness. But if we talk about and let's again we talk about history, let's talk about Bloody Sunday and the history of the civil rights movement for black Americans. Yeah. The the turning point for Bloody Sunday was TV. Mm -hmm. Was the fact like if I lived in New York, the idea of racism and Jim Crow in the South was theoretical. Yeah. You don't see it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You don't see what the impact of segregation is. You don't see what the impact of these things are. But when you see people crossing the bridge and you see people being beaten on TV, you see dogs being attacking people. It creates a different level of um, a, 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 it creates consciousness. A, yeah, consciousness. And I think that that is quite comparable right now to the concept of war, not specific even to Israel in Palestine, but just the concept of war, you think about drone strikes. You think about, oh, ex-leader of said terrorist organization was taken out, but what does that mean? What are the collateral damages around it? What does it mean for people living in a war zone? Right. Which for us, it's just a news report that XYZ form of the armed services got this person. What did that mean to everyone else in the house? What did it mean to the neighbors? What did it mean to the, the entire uh, ecosystem of people. Yeah. And I think that in social media, it, like everybody has a camera. 
everybody can be a reporter and there are people living in that space where you go and where you can see it and it becomes a very visceral thing and you understand I want to be very careful about using the terms right and wrong but you you realize that like this is much this is not the 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 theoretical thing it's real lives it's real people it's real humans and and that cannot be something that um is just brushed aside yeah um additionally um I think that people are having more discussion. This isn't even just purely individuals that are like coming out saying pro pro Palestine, but it's it's about you know it's interesting. I was having conversations with um, a Jewish friend of mine that we work together about I think the flattening of the Jewish experience into pro the Israeli government or anti-Semitism, and I think that that and in the same way that we as Americans we the, our government does things that we don't agree with. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of Jewish people that would say that about the Israeli government. I would also purport that there are a lot of people living in Gaza, Palestinian people, who do not agree with the um, actions and the way in which Hamas is acting towards Jewish people. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, And I think that there are positions and organizations and governments and governing bodies of power um, that act in a way that the 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 broader collection of people i think there's something jordan uh you mentioned like the 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 powerful few um acting on behalf of the many and i think that that's not necessarily reflective of all palestinian people um to conflate them with hamas and i don't think it's fair to conflate all jewish people with the actions of the israeli government agreed yeah it's just i think that it it obviously does a disservice to the actual plight of what's happening over there. I also think that there are things that America has done um, that would be considered by the modern definition as terrorist um, attacks. What we've done in Hiroshima um, and dropping atomic bombs and wiping out, you know, tens, over 100,000 people. Um, And these weren't the military force. This was children, mothers, teachers, doctors, to your point, Demond, friends, lovers, loved ones. And um, it's, if you or I or Tony were in the position to make the call for um, any sort of military retaliation, I would think that we wouldn't do something like that to civilians. And I think that, I don't think I would know anybody in my personal life that would do that. And I think that we need to make sure that we're keeping that in mind. Um, the It's not they, and I'm hearing a lot of they, yeah. us versus them. And it's so much more nuanced than that. These are individuals and we need to keep that in mind. Yeah, Damon, led with the first point that I was going to make, which was that social media plays a huge role in this. It gives everyone a microphone right, or a megaphone for that matter right. to, to say and, and, and just literally whatever you want. And so that is when you have like everyone in the world or not everyone in the world, but a lot yeah. of people in the world can can literally have a voice in mm-hmm. that way. It's so amplified. And I think that's what's going on now. Like people 
are getting information in ways that just didn't exist before. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't and still don't know the full history. Like we I was learning a lot about what the, the this complex situation. I had no idea of what was going on, where when did this start? Um how did we get here? And I think people are consuming um which I think is a good thing education you know they're 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 getting an education on history yeah and this is creating um turmoil it's creating people who have conflicting viewpoints about the whole situation and i think that when it comes to a lot of people being vocal about pro-palestine i think people of color are drawing parallels to their own history, whatever, what, you know, I think being oppressed or um, just having a history of going through uh, dark times, I think people are just drawing connections in that way and having an, coming from an empathetic lens of like, this isn't right to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are identifying and, and, and latching on in ways that just, you know, previously weren't, yeah. we weren't able to do in the same way. I think, yeah. You weren't, like, seeing is, that does make it so much more real. Yeah. Like, Demond saying, the whole theoretical part of it. I, I also think, like, going back to separating Jewish people sp- and the Israeli government, like, a lot of Jewish people are, come from a history of yeah. oppressive states, violence towards them, mm-hmm. like, even before, like, Modern history has been very horrible to Jewish people's World War II to now, but general history that that the, that is a group of people that has been grossly mistreated, and I think that even there are many many Jewish people that are looking at this saying like uh, the the title of the episode title of the episode never again is a reference to the Holocaust. It's something that is said in Jewish communities never never again, um, and then never again to anyone is something that has come out as more of an activist statement to say. This happened to us, but at no point did we want to be a part of anything in remotely comparable to happening to anyone else. Now, I have a question about that specifically, because when I heard that uh, phrase, and then when I heard, you know, never, what is it, never, never again. again, and then never again for anyone, is that all lives mattering, the thing? No, it's saying, like, if we said that we're never going to have fucking slavery happened to people mm-hmm. and then we started enslaving other people it was actually no we we didn't just mean no slavery for us yeah i mean like nobody we we shouldn't be, slavery should not exist for people right i think that's what it more okay. so what it means not the dismissal of the jewish experience mm-hmm. it's saying this experience was horrible yeah and it shouldn't happen to anyone and more specifically nor do we want to be a part of it happening in some way shape or form to anyone else yeah i think that's a good I like I like that explanation, um, and I'm also curious to like talk to Jewish folks that I know, mm-hmm. which are a lot mostly in like corporate America. F- people that I've worked with, a lot of folks are Jewish. Um, I wonder what their take on "never again" for anyone. If they feel that same way, mm-hmm. that explanation you gave. So, yeah, um, I think so. Before this most recent inflection point in the conflict, I, I don't feel like there was. 
at least from my perspective, a huge um, sort of social driven movement for justice. I think that we talked about um, the the humanitarian crisis in Gaza before, for sure. Um, but to the extent that we're seeing it today, I think feels new to me. And um, I think I would personally attribute it to um, three things. And it's not limited to these three things. It's just three things that are top of mind. First thing, obviously, social media. Um, people being able to go onto their phones and get a, like, a whole collection of thoughts, varying perspectives. And I think that social media has created a sense of urgency for people to educate themselves and to understand what is going on. And I think also it's our access to information. You know, I think historically we've relied so much, almost completely on receiving our information from major news networks, and major publications. And um, the reality is that sometimes these organizations are filtered. Um, sometimes they're censored. Uh, sometimes they're quite frankly sponsored or funded. And so I think that with the addition of new channels of information, um, digital content players that are coming into the space and being able to create their own educational content that's also equally as well sourced. Um, I think it's helping people get a greater um, understanding of this topic. Um, and then I think lastly, and you kind of talked about it, Tony, I think that the optics of what's happening right now feels very asymmetrical. And I think that watching it and seeing it on your screens, on your phone, on your TV, um, from an outsider looking in, and when I say outsider, someone who doesn't um, live in that in that area or that region, it looks as if it's a smaller group of people um, who are being severely impacted by this war from a, a larger um, military force. And so I think that what's happening is there's compassion for that, right? Mm -hmm. It's this, this, this idea that, you know, how much is too much? And I don't think that it's just limited to um, citizens. There are people in the United Nations who have spoken up mm -hmm. and said that um, some of which of how the war has been playing out is in violation of human rights, um, international law. Mm -hmm. And, you know, watching it, it's just, you can see it. Like to yeah, Demond's well, point, it's people, not a lot of people who are very vocal about pro-Palestine are saying this is not a war, this is genocide, because of how it's going down, and they are violating. It's what well, war crimes is what um, what you're referencing. Um, so that's yeah. It's, it's been it's, very. It's been. It's been. I also, it's interesting. Like, I I think that. It's it's interesting now that I'm, I'm we're talking and I'm, it's also a part of being American and, and living in a country where you exist with a level of privilege, and I reference like think about like we as black queer Americans like a few years ago, someone could have would have said like until this moment I didn't realize all this was going on and then like us as a community we're like how the fuck do you not know all this was going on, yeah and I imagine a lot of Palestinian people a lot of Jewish people a lot of people caught in 
civilians specifically caught in this conflict are saying, how do, how do, how do you not know about these things? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it comes from a place of you being sh- the world being shaken so much that like it breaks through people's privilege um, and their ability to just like go to your Beyonce concert and not have to think about these things. Right. There's, there's certainly uh, a level of urgency that I think is coming from the fact that it's so visible yeah as opposed to receiving you know a written report we're watching it happen in real time yeah um i'm gonna sort of shift gears a little bit um and i want to talk about um our peer and friend kevin ortega uh he hosts the show here's why where he talks about current events um and he was recently criticized on his platform for being vocal about his support for palestine And there were individuals who called him out um, and, you know, drew the comparison of how could you support Palestine when, you know, queerness is um, is 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 villainized and and targeted in that way. What do you say to that criticism of how can you be a queer person who um, Um, supports for me, it comes it purely comes down to humanity. And the, the thing that kept ringing in my head over and over was that if your, human, if your humanity is conditional, is it humanity at all? And humanity for me is about people and me. No one I think should have to live in a war zone. No one I think should be without power. No one I think should have to live through the attacks of October 7th. No one I think should have to live through many of the, the litany of events that have happened in relation to war, to genocide, to the harm of other human beings. Um, And I don't think that, and that is factual period, point blank, full stop. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that it is um, dismissive of the intersection of actual people in real places. Do we think that there's not a single queer person in the Gaza Strip? Do you, all the children there, and you, you don't think any of them are queer just because individuals may live in an environment and and that they don't talk about it like it's it's cute to like talk sit in your condo in hell's kitchen and say like oh what they wouldn't like me just like when you've never lived an experience like that where maybe maybe you're there and you can never get to be yourself and you're and then on top of that you're living in a war zone right um so yeah it's those two things like if your humanity is conditional what it's not humanity it's just the convenience of like you speaking up for the people that will do it for you. It's an exchange. You know, also, sorry, Tony. Um, I think it goes back to the title of the episode. You know, like mm-hmm. us as queer people, we have a unique experience around our sexuality and many people in our community have experienced varying levels of severity of discrimination, violence, hate crimes, and my personal opinion is that experiencing that should make you a more compassionate person mm-hmm. to people who also have to experience um, any sort of violence against them, whether it be on October 7th or any other date before or after that. And yeah, that, that just sparked in my mind. Tony, you can. Yeah, no, I was, I'm just like, that question makes me think about the fact that multiple things can be true. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, 
you can support uh, or have humanity for innocent people losing their lives and what's going on and while still at the same in the same breath understand that in that region they may they may not support who I am as a person and how I show up as a queer person in this world but it doesn't make one doesn't cancel the other yeah out. like people you know, aren't so that simple community yeah cultures aren't that simple it's just it's it, that's to me like what it comes down to people just they zoom in on one aspect and then everything else is sort of like you know kind of turned a blind eye to or it's mm -hmm. like you don't see everything else that's happening around it. you don't see the bigger picture yeah yeah so i don't understand that i it, it's for people like that it's like you can't you can't have a conversation with folks that that you can't talk to anyone I'm, who like that's not has the, a one-track mind like i'm that. like kevin don't respond i don't want people in the comments with that it's yeah. it's such a it's such a distraction mm -hmm. to the real issue um i have kind of like a personal story to share which is that um I've traveled to both uh, Israel and I've traveled to um, the UAE. And, you know, I experienced racial and um, religious uh, discrimination in Israel. Mm -hmm. I was stopped at nearly every checkpoint because my first and middle names are Arabic. And I was there living in my privilege, had, did not know what I was getting myself into, didn't realize what I was walking into and so I, I literally landed and I kept asking my friends who have like you know more uh American names if you will George yeah. and Courtney but I'm just like I don't know why I keep getting separated from you guys every time we go through a checkpoint like I'm being told to go into this special room where I'm looking around and it's nothing but Muslim people being held and questioned and things like that and then, you know, I've been to the UAE where um, homosexuality is illegal and, and can have real, a real, you know, legal implication on, you know, sexual activity. And I was terrified to go to the underground gay club while I was there um, and did not go while I was in Dubai. And even through both of those experiences, I would never consider the idea that those people didn't deserve to live mm -hmm. because of the discrimination that I faced right. or because my identity was discriminated against. And to what the point that you're both saying, it comes down to humanity. Like what is the cost of a life, you know? And is it, is it for you to be able to, is it, like, do you think that someone deserves to die because they don't agree with your sexual orientation? Right, um, and it's like this this person, oh, do you think, like, this civilian deserves to die because of what the government there... And that's another right. part. And that's you know. another part. Like, and, and we mentioned this earlier, the governing bodies that are establishing these laws and who are ultimately creating these top-down cultures that, you know, um, fuel discrimination is not representative of every single person that lives right. in these territories and in these regions. And I would, I would really hate for, for someone to come to America and just automatically assume that I agree with everything that Trump has done and said in this country.
Mm-hmm. They couldn't be further from the truth. And so I think when I hear that argument of, you know, how could you support that and, and they don't support queer, I'm like, what's they? Because they? because we have to stop we have to stop grouping everybody together and um punishing an entire group because of the ideals of, you know, a powerful few that's indoctrinating um minds. Because you should believe that if the governing bodies were to actually shift, society would too, mm-hmm. especially if it shifted into a more humane direction. So, yeah. well, as we've talked about this, um, these issues, I'm curious to know, like we've talked about how complex the whole situation is and not really like understanding the full history of how we got here. Mm-hmm. And so what has been most helpful for you all in understanding the history behind what's going on with this conflict with Palestine and Israel? Um, so I've actually, uh, I call it my learning journeys, which is I will find a piece of content, watch it, and then I'll write down the follow-up questions that I have and then proactively search for content that explains it. And so throughout this learning journey, which I've been on since, quite frankly, October 7th, um, I found that the sources that um, I keep coming back to um, are Al Jazeera, which is a, uh, a news network based in the Arab region. Um, I've been looking at Vox, uh, which has a lot of explainer videos. Um, and they sort of take you through the history more so um, of the of the conflict all the way back into the early 1900s and sometimes even um, before. Um, I'm also looking at uh, conservative news outlets. I'm looking at Fox. Um, I think it's really important specifically on this topic because there is so much um you know, opinions around it, that I'm making sure that I'm not just surrounding myself in an echo chamber to have my, you know, biases conf- like confirmed. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure that I am hearing what um, people who are pro- pro-Israel are saying and how they feel. And in a lot of instances, I can relate to some of the things that they're talking about. And I'm just like that, I can feel that. And I'm going to learn a little bit more about that. And even regardless if the the news network is leaning more Israel or leaning more Palestine, I use critical thinking <laughs> to help guide what do I feel about this. And I think that can only happen once you bring in a lot of different news sources. Also, New York Times uh, podcast has been uh, helpful. A lot more, but I think that those are kind of like bubbling to the top. And then last but not least, um, having conversations like these, this is obviously with a, with a microphone and, you know, we're doing this, but I've had conversations with you all separately. Um, I've had conversations with my Jewish friends separately. Um, I've had conversations with my friends who are very, very, very like pro Palestine. It's a lot of emotion, but it's helpful to understand and to feel that raw emotion mm-hmm. um, and to be able to take all those inputs and to understand how you feel about the situation. 
Yeah. Um, a couple things I would say first. Always trust a Ken Burns documentary. Um, he's done some amazing work. Does a ton of PBS documentaries. Uh, and one of the ones that we recently watched was called The U.S. and the Holocaust. Um, I think that as we talk about the history of Jewish people, um, it's important to understand that the disservices towards Jewish, Jewish people were not limited to Germany and Auschwitz. It's important to understand the complexity of history of the European treatment of Jewish people and the American treatment of Jewish people, particularly during that time period. Um, and I think that it colors a lot around why there's this collective Western world support of Israel, a lot of its guilt, based mm -hmm. on how poorly Jewish people were treated during that time period. It's horrible, horrible treatment from our government and the, this country, particularly. Um, and that, I think, is a very interesting documentary that frames, I think, for us, and I, this is a conversation I was having with a friend, of, a Jewish friend of mine, I was, that frames us being, quote, visible minority. Like, you can, you, you immediately see I'm black. Like, there's no hiding it. Like, you know, I think a lot of times we, as black people, didn't understand. It's just like, what? I don't understand, like, the, the discrimination against Jewish people or, like, what that means. Um, in the societies, and I think it does a very, very great job of helping you understand um, uh, discriminatory experience is quite different from ours. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was very interesting. Um, additionally, I would say that the Anthony uh, Bourdain did a Parts Unknown episode based in Jerusalem, and parts of it he goes into Gaza. Um, and I think the thing that I found most interesting about this is that it's less about the history of Palestinian people and more about the humanity of Palestinian people, um, showing friends, family, cooking meals, eating. I think that so much of the conversation for people that are pro-Israel lacks an understanding that these are human beings living there. There are civilians, there are families, there are friends, there are loved ones. Uh, and it's important to understand and not never lose sight of the humanity of anyone. Uh, and that I thought was really important. And I thought a great glimpse and something that added, I think, in a very positive way um, to the global conversation happening. Uh, and then finally, th this is a little maybe left field, but really interesting that like I was talking, me and my husband were talking about this and he showed me this video and part, part of it is from uh, Dr. Maria Angelou. It's called I Am Human, and it's one of those like own masterclass things. Mm -hmm. And they ask her, like, what are some of the things you've learned in your life? And she goes, I'm aware that I'm a child of God. That the it which made fleas and mountains and rivers and stars made me. What I pray for is humility to know that there is something greater than I. That I have to know that the brute, the bigot, and the batterer are all children of God. Whether they know it or not, I am supposed to treat them accordingly. It's hard, and I blow it sometimes. And then she fit, wraps up with a reference to a quote by Terrence that says, I'm a human being, and nothing human can be alien to me. And I think it really summed up for me a lot of what we've discussed today. No matter what you view as wrong in someone else, they are still human, and they are still just as human as you. And we do not, in my opinion, have the right to decide that any human being should have to die based on our disagreements with them. And that it's important, I think, in that last part, all that you can see that is wrong in someone else, by your point of view, you have the makings of that within yourself. 
and all that is right in yourself, that person has the makings of that in them as well. Because we are all human and nothing about the human experience is alien to another human. And I think that if we took more time to understand that humanity exists in every human being full stop, the less bombing and blowing shit up and killing each other we fucking do. Yeah. Um, you know, I love that information is as accessible as it is present day. Like, it's available to all of us. We can all do our reading and understand things that we don't by seeking out the information. What I love about this platform that we built with Surface Level is the ability to have these conversations amongst ourselves and then to also have these conversations that are public facing that may encourage others to have similar conversations. I love that people who really enjoy this show hold us to a standard that we hold ourselves to and are sharing information with us. Mm -hmm. I get clips from people all the time about various different things. This topic in particular was one that I received many videos um, so that it was almost like I didn't even have to go out of my way. The information was coming to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm a visual person and I love storytelling. And so like seeing videos that succinctly would go in depth on the history of what is happening were very helpful to me. And a lot of times it doesn't always look like a major news publication. Um, but it's someone who's done the work that may have gotten the information from major news publications and have done their reading and then like synthesized it and culled it down to something that's digestible. Um, I enjoy that. I also enjoy a, a good old fashioned documentary. I love watching a documentary, so thank you for that, Daman. Um, and so you, you all have mentioned really kind of all the ways, like talking to people, talking to people who have a lived experience, talking to people who are more educated on the subject matter than I am. But my challenge is to be a better listener today than you were yesterday because that is lacking to me. People don't choose to listen mm -hmm. and not speak. And so that's my challenge for folks. More of that. I don't know if either of you have any final words before we wrap this. You did just say something that sparked. Um, I, you know, I we are going to turn off the comments on this on, on, on the social clips for this episode. And um, I think it's really important for folks to take in information and sit with it and really give it some thought and figure out what it is that you truly believe, which can be difficult, especially if you are directly impacted by what's going on in the war. I can understand the emotional urgency around wanting, you know, people to understand your point of view. But 
to your point, Tony, uh, the only way that we're going to be able to get into a better place is if we all do our job of being responsible with our, how we're having these conversations with people and being mindful with how we're showing up in these conversations. And so that was the only thing that came to mind was just allow yourself some time to sit with your thoughts before you, it's not, the, the, the discussion isn't a race to win the argument. It shouldn't be. Um, it should be a, a race to understand the other person and find understanding right. with the other person. All right, well, that's all the time we have this week. This season of Surface Level is presented by Moby, Mobilizing Our Brothers Initiative. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, let's keep it going. Let us know your thoughts and questions at surfacelevelpodcast.com. And remember, stay curious.